like facts have no place with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Eyes a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. And here we go. Welcome in another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show underway on a Monday. It is December 27th, 2010. Winding down the year and uh, doing so in grand style. Hey, two podcasts this month. <laughs> I'm going to give myself a round of applause for that. Dislocate my shoulder to pat myself on the back for that one. Thank you so much for checking us out. Contact information for the program, as always, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. Of course, our PayPal address. Also, you can find it there, Mike at KMGX.com, for your generous monetary contributions to this program. Uh, we could not uh, do this program. We barely do it anyway, uh, but we really absolutely cannot do this program without the generous donations of listeners such as yourself. So, uh, thank you for that. Also, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, our screen name, Michael Grav Show. Generally speaking, available to you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for your rants, your shouts, your dedication, your dedication, your shouts of deads, as they say in the business. Anyway... So there is that. And of course, uh, you can always join us on our chat channel, EFNet IRC, the channel net radio, always up and available for that as well. I believe that we have a uh, a, a chat link on our uh, on our site, on michaelgroff.com, the one, the only michaelgroff.com, which one day, sometime soon, maybe a real website appears there. But um, I don't think our chat link works anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Something broke on the web server and I have no idea how to fix it and so until somebody fixes it then it's probably going to remain broken I'm just going to go ahead and guess as you can tell I know very very little about coding I'm just saying Uh, we have a lot to talk about, obviously, as we uh, wind down the air here. Lots of things to get into. Um, some major news happening. Of course, the Christmas holiday rush has come and gone. And, uh, well, well, it's sort of come and gone. Don't tell that to the hundreds of thousands of people that are stranded in airports now following another round of global warming that blasted the East Coast. Just see this, man? All that snow. Did you see that? They canceled the uh, 
the uh, Philadelphia Eagles Minnesota Vikings game set to be played in Philly last night because of the snow. Of course, they're going to re they uh, they canceled it and they're going to play it tomorrow. Um, apparently, the reason they canceled it not because of the players. They canceled it because of the fans. They just didn't think that the fans would be able to get there. They had so many car accidents around there. They've had so many flight delays. It's just uh, logistically speaking, it just wasn't going to be possible. So that's what went on there uh, last night. And, of course, many people are finding themselves stranded at airports, people sleeping at airports. It's just a fiasco going on uh, all, all around. And, of course, the airlines are not making this any easier. You know, the airline industry could really try and do itself a favor. Uh, instead of the constant fees for everything, they have a fee for everything. Most airlines, they have a fee for every bag you bring on. If you want to if you want to check a bag, there's a fee, except for Southwest Airlines, and that's why I'll only fly Southwest. But they have a fee for everything. It's not bad enough that they rape you to get on the plane, and almost literally now, you are molested. You are patted down, felt up, and scanned, and probed by people that you have no idea who they are, their education level, or how creepy they are. And then once you get on the plane, itself uh then there's there's fees there's fees to to before you get on the plane there's fees when you're on the plane if you want to even have a snack or a drink you have to you have to pay an exorbitant fee so uh, they get you coming and going but now even if you have to reschedule your flight there are times where they're they have uh been known to charge fees even for a rescheduled flight i'm saying well you're the ones that canceled the flight in the first place but there are stories about airlines that have actually assessed fees uh, for people um, that have uh, that have um, had to reschedule their flights. It's unbelievable. It's <laughs> this is the madness that is the airline industry, and they're wondering they they cannot seem to figure out why it is that the airline industry continues to struggle. I don't know. Maybe in the bad economy, you might want to actually just just a hint. You might want to waive those those fees. All right, so we had that. We, of course, the Christmas season came and went. The family uh, came by. We had a Christmas here. I have a brand new microphone, actually, as a result of a Christmas gift. We, uh, my old Electro Voice RE20, which is the uh, professional uh, studio quality microphone that we've used for many years in the show. Some time ago, that broke. So I was using uh, an older microphone, but now we're back on uh, on this, and uh, I have a new uh, microphone mount here that I'll be playing with throughout the show. This is great. So... A little bit of a renovation. That's how, that's always good. I um I didn't want to. Truthfully, these microphones are like seven hundred dollars. So you know, shelling out a new one myself, might as well just wait for uh for the holidays uh, to get it. A great time though. Um. So yeah, we have a global warming update. Obviously, there's lots of global warming going on uh, across the country uh, right now. Um. And of course, you know, it's so funny. They had a big global warming conference a couple of weeks ago, and um, and I wanted to come on the air and talk about it then because in Cancun, this is a couple of weeks ago, they had a big global warming conference. And I always warn you, anytime that they have a global warming conference, there's always going to be record cold temperatures. You can count on it. There's going to be a blizzard. There's going to be unusual weather someplace to coincide with the global warming conference. And that's exactly what happened. So they're talking about how the global uh, warming is taking place and the oceans are getting warmer and there's going to be more intense storms because of the warm weather. And then Cancun sets an all-time record low temperature of 54 degrees. Now, Cancun down there on the Yucatan Peninsula. Not known for its cold temperatures, but they dropped to 54 degrees. This is a couple of weeks ago. 
And uh, this is just right in the midst of a global warming conference. And of course, we have this big snowstorm that hits the East Coast. And now, uh, naturally, whenever you mention it now, whenever you poke fun at the global warming people, they say, well, it's actually global climate change. You see what's what's happening is see the what's happening is is that the globe is getting warmer, but that what that's doing is it's melting the ice caps, so that is changing the ocean currents, so that now Europe is experiencing colder weather because the Gulf Stream is being blocked by these uh, colder waters. So Europe is actually experiencing colder weather. Now I look at it this way: whether man affects the climate or not, uh, climate is cyclical. We know this. Um, what happens is as the, as the earth gets warmer, uh, then more clouds are produced, more rainfall occurs, ice melts, cooling the waters. Again, m even more clouds form, and eventually those clouds block out the sun's radiation. And when the sun's radiation is blocked out, the temperatures begin to cool again. And as temperatures get cooler, then uh, that means less clouds form because, of course, cooler temperature holds less, cooler te colder temperatures hold less moisture. Therefore, uh, fewer clouds form. Therefore, more solar radiation hits the surface of the earth. Therefore, the earth starts to warm again and rinse, repeat. There you have it, cyclical climate. And it's been proven throughout, I don't know, the billions of years that the earth has been here. Uh, or 6,000 years for you, uh, for you hardcore uh, Catholic types and you, you hardcore Bible thumpers. Uh, but whatever the case, um, the cyclical climate has been uh, quite evident. And uh, then once again, I guess this will just be more panic and more fodder for the global warming folks. So I uh, just thought I'd uh, get that out there. All right, uh, big news. Uh, lots of stuff to get into. Also, uh, coming up on the show, and now we're not going to do this today, but uh, coming up, I also we have to do the Michael Graff Show sort of year in review of the stupidest stories of the year, the dumbest of the dumb, the craziest of the crazy, the uh, the the just absolutely most outrageous stories of the year 2010. We're going to do that on the podcast here uh, in the next uh, couple of days. And yes, we're actually going to have to do more than a podcast a month to bring this to you, but we do have lined up some of the dumbest stories of the year 2010 that we've done on this show. And I have one today that may very well top them all. We may very well have waited all the way till the end of the year to find for you the dumbest story of the year. This is it. This has got to be it. And of course, it involves uh, a, a fat person. And not just a fat person, but a very, very, very fat person. The trifecta of stupidity. It's very rare that we get the trifecta of stupidity on this show, but you'll find out what that is coming up in just a little bit here on the program. All right, so uh, obviously passengers very dismayed with the TSA, the security screenings that continue to go on. Uh, Janet Napolitano, Homeland uh, Security, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, she continues to defend these, uh, these positions. In fact, she says that it's working. She says that these uh, pat-downs are actually making us safer. Now, I'm not exactly sure how, um, especially when they've just done a test at America's airports. And they've discovered that 70% of the time that they do these tests to try and uh, get through a, uh, a screening, they try to slip a weapon or an explosive or some type of device through one of these screenings, 70% of the time they are successful in doing so. Which goes to show you that, again, as I've mentioned on the show many times... These body scanners, uh, these pat-downs, all of this stuff, it's all crap. It's all crap. It's all security theater. It's all done just uh, for, for, for show. Um, 
And no more evident than that than uh, this test. And of course, Jen Napolitano questions the methodology behind it. Here's the methodology. They tried to bring a gun through a, uh, a screening and they were able to do so seven out of 10 times. Actually, 70% of the time that they did this. That should tell you all you need to know about how how great these body scanners, how great this x-ray, how great these trained TSA professionals, many of whom don't even have high school diplomas. These people are, they're, they're somehow, these are the people that are entrusted to make sure that we are safe. Meanwhile, you know, in Israel, the belly of the beast, they don't do any of this crap. On LL Airlines, yeah, they don't do this. They don't have uh, body scanners. They don't. They just profile. Of course, we can't do profiling here because that's somehow, that's wrong, that's evil. But um, LL, of course, the most secure, the safest. They don't have any kind of incidents. And uh, for some reason, we continue to put on this security theater because we just think, you know, it all looks better. Oh, did you see this? Israel's foreign minister said that a peace deal with the Palestinians is impossible under current conditions. And that Israel should pursue a lesser deal instead. This is a concept, of course, the Palestinians have rejected time and time again. The latest diplomatic spat between the two sides came as a violence along the Israeli-Gaza border simmered once again after days of accelerated Palestinian rocket attacks on southern Israel and Israeli uh, airstrikes in response. Israeli soldiers killed two Palestinians in the border area early on Sunday. Uh, uh, Avigdor Lieberman, who's the Israeli foreign minister, told a conference of Israeli diplomats that instead of a full peace deal, Israel should seek a long-term interim agreement on security and economic matters. And the Palestinians, uh, well, they scoffed at this idea. Um, uh, this is maybe the smartest thing that anybody over there has said in a while, uh, that peace between the two sides is completely impossible because one side wants to blow up the other. The Palestinians want nothing more than to blow up the Israelis. It is it is their goal to chase the Israelis away. Uh, their charter, their entire modus operandi is not to have the Israelis exist there. They don't want a Jewish state. They want their own land. And every time the Israelis concede and give them some, they want more. And this has been going on for, well, uh, better than 80 years now. Ever since the Israelis got themselves a, an official uh, place, the United Nations declared them a state. Every, ever since they've been there, uh, it's just been a fiasco with the Palestinians. It's, they're never going to be satisfied until Israel doesn't exist anymore. Just like, well, just like a lot of other nations around there don't want Israel to exist anymore. Quote, it's not only that it's impossible to reach the overall agreement, he said, it's simply forbidden. Lieberman said that the West Bank Palestinian Authority, with whom Israel has pledged to negotiate, is, quote, not legitimate because it has postponed elections. Palestinian President uh, Mahmoud Abbas, of course, he remains uh, in office, though his term expired almost a year ago and there is no date for a new election. Now, that's again, that's the Palestinian uh, form of democracy over there. Everything is going very, very smooth for uh, for the Palestinians. Uh, other news uh, related to the area, incidentally. You wonder why there can't be peace over there? Here's just another fine example. An Iranian revolutionary court has sentenced a, a, quote, spy working for the Zionist regime to death. 
Tehran prosecutor Abbas Jafari Dolatabadi said on Sunday, quote, this spy has been sentenced to death. His identity will be revealed after confirmation of his sentence. He was quoted by Mar News of uh, the Mar News Agency. He added that other espionage cases were under investigation. In late October, media reports uh, quoted Dola, Dola, Dola Tabati as saying that uh, two Iranians had been charged with spying for Israel, which accuses Tehran of seeking to develop atomic weapons under the guise of civilian nuclear program. But of course, Iran has uh, retaliated. They, they're now uh, persecuting an Israeli that, you know, once again, anytime anybody wanders into Iran, they're immediately just accused of spying and they put them to death. Remember those, remember those, uh, those hikers, they, those people that were just hiking in the mountains of Iraq, which again, I don't understand why you'd ever do that. Why a sane person would go to Iraq and go, you know, this looks like a great place to go hiking. And then they just wander into the Iranian territory. So they wander into Iran and then uh, suddenly uh, they become hostages. And uh, the Iranians, of course, accuse them of being spies. It's, it's really just saber rattling. But of course, you know, they will eventually kill them. They never released those people. They only released one. They released that woman. I don't think they released the rest of them. Uh, I do know this. I know that they've been holding, they hold people all the time uh, that they just feel, this is why I would never, ever, under any circumstances, I would never go to Iran. I mean, if they feel like it, they'll just keep you there. They'll just take you. They'll just take you captive. So this is another reason why peace is impossible. Because again, you're trying to negotiate with people that are just completely irrational. You're trying to rationalize with the irrational. It's like negotiating with a child. And this is why peace is completely unattainable in that region. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. This has been the big mistake of the United States. Uh, every president, Ronald Reagan attempted this. Um, you had uh, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, even Barack Obama. They've all tried to, in some form or another, remember George uh, W. Bush had the roadmap for peace over there. Bill Clinton even had... Um, uh, he even had a little sit-down, uh, chatty chat there uh, with Ariel Sharon, and uh, so, so I mean, that was that was just uh, never going to work out, and it's it's impossible, and I don't know why anybody bothers. Again, they, uh, whether it's the Iranians, the Palestinians, uh, the Syrians, any of those folks, and of course the terror groups like Hezbollah. None of them are going to be happy until all of the Jews are exterminated, until uh, all of the uh, until the entire Israeli nation is completely disbanded and they are and all the Jews are killed. That's the only way that there's ever going to be peace over there. And that's just unfortunately, that's the bottom line. And that's how it's going to be. And for anybody to see it any other way just seems ludicrous and, and incomprehensible to me. I just, I don't get it. All right, uh, on that happy note, I know. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> uh, just a few days away from 2011. Let's try and get uh, 2010 behind us. Uh, it, was, it was quite a year, I'll tell you that. It was, uh, it was the strangest year of my entire life, and I'll just leave it at that. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. That is, of course, the screen name available to you 24-7-365. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. And, of course, 
Our PayPal address for your most generous contributions, Mike at KMGX.com. More still to come. Lots to talk about. Uh, we have, I have to talk about this. Uh, I know this is not going to make people happy. This is going to be one of those things that uh, we're going to hear from the female core audience of the show, and they're going to be very displeased with this. But I do have to talk about the University of Connecticut women's basketball team. You know, they got their record 89th consecutive victory, which surpasses the NCAA basketball record, the original record set by the 1971 to 1974 UCLA men's team. We're going to talk about that um, and why uh, it's just not even a real record, a real bona fide accomplishment. I mean, it's not a comparable accomplishment. Let's put it that way. It's not going to make people happy, but we're going to get to that. Plus, a hell of a lot more still coming up. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. The Zip Code Famous. You're kind of creepy. I think this may be a stupid idea. Michael Graff Show. Segment number two. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show on a Monday. And I suppose I would be a bad son if I didn't at least give a gratuitous shout out. It's my mother's birthday today. Of course, I am not going to say how old she is. just mention that it is indeed her birthday and I, I think we're uh, taking her out to a, a fine dinner this evening and I got her a, uh, well we got her some very nice, some very nice lovely parting gifts. Which if all goes well, if they're crappy in a few years Alzheimer's will have set in and she'll forget all about them. That's the beauty, that's the beautiful part about getting old. <laughs> she doesn't listen to my podcast so it doesn't really matter. All right. My 
Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Graff, share the screen name. You can always donate to our program. Monetary donations always the best way to go. Um, of course, Michael, uh, well, Mike at KMGX.com is the PayPal address over there. So please feel free, donate generously. All right. Um, it was not such a bad year for retailers <clears throat> across the uh, across the country. Uh, it seems that holiday sales didn't do so bad in spite of the down economy. However, the post-Christmas sales certainly going to be hampered by the blizzard, the bad uh, weather conditions across the East Coast. But regardless, it looks like retailers are still expecting a pretty robust year, all things considering, especially because economic forecasts were so bad for the holiday season. So uh, that's uh, certainly some good news. So here's something that's kind of weird. This has uh, happened um, recently, of course. The big news has been the debate in the Senate over the START Treaty. This is the treaty to uh, between the United States and Russia to disarm the nuclear weapons. This has been a, a big, um, big topic of controversy the last uh, several weeks, the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty. Uh, and of course, the Democrats are, are out there. They're saying, come on, we need to sign this treaty. We need to uh, we need to start disarming these nuclear weapons. The Republicans are blocking this. The Republicans don't want peace. The Republicans are just trying to uh, uh, they're just trying another another thing that they're being the uh, the party of no about. Well, here's the problem. I have no problem with uh, disarming nuclear weapons. That, that's all well and good. But, you know, we brought this up right after Obama took office. Remember that he went over to uh, he went over to Moscow. He uh, met with officials over there and they uh, announced that they were going to have this big treaty, uh, a mass disarming of nuclear weapons, uh, lowering the arsenal by about 30 percent. And uh, Obama was hailing this as a great big victory. And of course, I said, well, this, of course, assumes that we trust Russia. And this, of course, assumes that they trust us. And this assumes that we're actually going to follow through on this deal in the first place. I mean, do you really think the United States uh, is going to disarm these weapons? OK, let's just say, though, let's just say that this treaty is totally on the up and up. And let's say that both sides actually go through and do this. I don't even know why this is a controversy in the first place, because let's again, let's assume that the United States disarms, as this says, uh, about 30% of the nuclear arsenal. We still have more than enough nuclear weapons to totally demolish, totally uh, exterminate all life on planet Earth probably about 60 times over. The new start limits each side to 1,550 deployed warheads and 700 deployed long-range missiles. So in other words... We'd still have 2,250 total nuclear weapons just floating around out there. The two sides may also have up to 800 deployed uh, and non-deployed launchers and bombers. So, you know, in other words, more than enough nukes to destroy everything on the planet many, many, many times over. So even if you disarm by 30 percent, uh, it means absolutely nothing. It has absolutely no relevance, no significance whatsoever. Great, you're going to disarm by 30%. There's still, yeah, instead of killing everybody 85 times over, now you're only going to be able to kill them 60 times over. If we get into a, a nuclear uh, war with the, with the Russians, I don't think it really matters, does it?
So this is one of those things. I know it's a feel good, sort of warm and fuzzy kind of situation. I, I know it, it It looks nice on paper. Wow, did you see that? The United States and Russia and under the Obama administration, a, a 30% uh, depletion, 30% uh, disarming of uh, the nuclear arsenal. That's great. Yeah, meanwhile, it means nothing. So why this is a controversy in the first place, and, you know, again, uh, Democrats are just out there screaming about, the Republicans are obstructing this. It, it really makes no difference if, if we sign the treaty or if we don't. At this point, what difference does it make if we have 5,000 nukes or 3,000 or 2,000 pointed at each other? They say, uh, this, just to give you a, an idea, perspective, so both Pakistan and India have nukes pointed at each other. And we don't know exactly how many, but uh, estimates, you know, uh, several, maybe a dozen. If they both decided to go nuts and, and fire all their nukes at each other, which is just not even, it's like 1% of the amount that the United States and Russia have, it would still be enough to do catastrophic damage to the world's ecosystem, uh, enough to perhaps plunge the world into nuclear winter and certainly be enough to exterminate much of the life on this planet. Certainly not all of it, but it would be enough to exterminate most. And so that's, again, 1%, if even 1% of the total nuclear arsenal of the United States and Russia that those two countries have, and it would be more than sufficient to do catastrophic damage. And uh, speaking of that, did you see a couple of weeks ago, this is a story that came out. I, I have to get to this. This was something that was on my desk, and, and I have to mention this. So the New York Times ran a big article. Uh, they ran an article about uh, what to do, and this is the president was talking about this as well, in case, just in case, uh, there is a nuclear attack. If, let's say, one of these uh, terrorists, one of these guys, uh, they, they've managed to get an actual nuke and they set it off someplace. Well, according to the best advice here from the New York Times, they say, oh, well, it's okay. Uh, just stay inside. Uh, if you're in your car when it goes off, just stay in your car. Don't get out for like a week. And uh, let everything pass. You know, the radiation, it'll all settle. And then you can get out and everything will be fine. Unless, of course, you're in the blast radius. You're in the, you know, you're in the, uh, like, right in the in the uh, center. If you're within uh, a couple mile radius or a few mile radius of the center of the nuke, uh, then, of course, you're, you're vaporized, you're toast. But anybody outside of that area, you'll survive as long as you just stay indoors. The, the, the dumbest article maybe ever. Uh, first of all, yes, of course, because the radiation would just uh, d diminish that quickly. It would it would only take about a week and you'd be able to go back outside. And of course, no services would ever be disrupted. Uh, there would be a you do understand what happens after a nuke is set off, right? First of all, anything within let, let's say they, they send off a 20 megaton bomb. And we'll put it over a place that nobody cares about. So let's just say it's over New Jersey. OK, so they set off one like over Atlantic City. Anything within about a uh, about a ten mile radius, roughly, is just instant vaporized. Okay, just just all gone. Ten mile radius, everything, boom, dead. All right. So, but and and but beyond that, there would still be an, a a a shock wave that would go out from the center, and it would destroy much of the buildings even beyond that radius. There would be a resulting firestorm that would erupt. And uh, the radiation, of course, would uh, go out all around for many, many, many miles beyond the blast radius, the initial blast radius. And it would linger for months, years, 
since a 20 megaton or a 10 megaton or even a 5 megaton bomb has never been set off anywhere ever, uh, we really don't know the the total effect. So we do know what a one, uh, what was that? A I think it was a one kiloton bomb that we dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And that was devastating enough. Uh, people were, again, vaporized. Uh, many people uh, suffered, of course, cancer, uh, radiation poisoning as a result of that. And, uh, the, the, uh, of course, the results were felt for generations after that. And, and that was a very small area, only about a one-mile total blast radius um, on a one kiloton, not a megaton, a kiloton nuke. If I'm not mistaken, a one megaton is uh, a thousand times that. A 20 megaton bomb would be 20, 000, 20 times more that. So... I don't know. Um, so it just seemed like a whole ridiculous thing that was going on. All right, so I have to mention this. This is, uh, obviously, this was big news. This happened. The women's college basketball team, the uh, NCAA, the uh, University of Connecticut NCAA women's college basketball program, uh, last week they set the all-time NCAA record, winning 89 consecutive games. A streak they started several years ago. 89 consecutive victories. They beat, uh, I guess, Florida or something. 90, what was it? 92 to 63 or whatever. And uh, everybody making a big deal about it. Uh, Gino Ariyama, who is the head coach of the UConn women's basketball team, was a little perplexed because during this entire run, it seemed that, according to him, uh, that nobody was giving the uh, women's college basketball program any respect. Nobody was giving the University of Connecticut its due. Nobody was really paying attention, and they weren't making it uh, to be the big accomplishment that it was, and he couldn't understand that. 89 straight victories. That, of course, beat the 1971 through 1974 UCLA Bruins men's basketball program, which won 88 consecutive games. Well, I got news for you, and uh, unfortunately, I know this is going to upset uh, probably the female uh, demo of the of our audience. And I understand I'm I'm probably going to be labeled with a chauvinist tag, a sexist tag. I'm sure people are going to be upset by this, but I have to tell you something: women's college basketball is like warm beer and cold soup. Uh, it is just it's it's intolerable, and it's not just intolerable because it's fundamentally bad. It's intolerable just because. Let's face it, the talent pool in women's college basketball is much shallower than the talent pool in men's college basketball. Fewer women participate in basketball to begin with, therefore a shallower talent pool. Um, beyond that, what the University of Connecticut has managed to do, yes, they've gotten the best players, and yes, they have dominated for the last several years, even before this run, uh, they've been a dominant program in women's college basketball. But here's the other part. Nobody cares. I mean, I've got news for you. Gino Ariyama and all the folks that are out there defending this and, and ESPN who latched onto this, nobody really cares. But to say that nobody was paying attention or that nobody gave you the attention you deserve, well, that's just a bunch of crap too. You know what ESPN did before uh, their, before the uh, the UConn game last week where they... Uh, where they won their 89th straight game. You know that ESPN devoted five hours of pregame coverage. On ESPN2, there was five hours of pregame coverage, and then the game itself, and then about two hours of postgame. 
The Super Bowl gets five hours of pregame coverage. Now, let me explain the basic difference between the Super Bowl and a regular season women's college basketball game. The Super Bowl in the United States alone last year was watched by 103 million people. Even the biggest women's college basketball game of the year, which you would presume would be their uh, national championship game, was watched by less than a million people. Let's see, 103 million, less than a million. And yet ESPN2 devoted five hours of pregame coverage and Gino Ariyama is going to sit there and say, well, I just don't think that we got the attention. I don't think anybody... And then ESPN Classic, as if that wasn't enough, ESPN Classic then ran a, uh, like for a whole day, they ran a special called The Run, where they showed uh, various games and highlights and footage of uh, UConn's uh, women's basketball program uh, going on, um, you know, uh, their, their, uh, their 88 previous games with highlights and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, don't say that you didn't get any attention. It's just that nobody cares. That's the difference. You got attention. Nobody cares. I got to tell you, though, there's nothing like watching a women's college basketball game and seeing those epic high scores of like 48 to 45, seeing those, you know, 37% field goal uh, percentages, seeing those, those air balls from the free throw line. There's nothing better than watching a women's college basketball game, except for, again, warm beer, cold soup, Soggy toast, cold French fries. It's it's not palatable is my point. And that's not just me saying this. I'm telling you, look at the ratings. Look at the numbers. And, okay, here's, here's more fuel for the fire. Were it not for Title IX and schools being ostensibly forced to offer female athletes scholarships, most women's college basketball programs wouldn't even exist because they don't make enough money to sustain themselves in the program. Very few schools do they draw interest. Yeah, University of Connecticut draws interest, and that's why the best players go there, and that's why they are above everybody else. Every other team in women's college basketball is just it pales in comparison. There's just not enough talent. But let's face it, they hardly draw any audience. They hardly draw any revenue. Men's college basketball draws so much more revenue at just about every school as compared to women's. And, and that's just how it is with uh, athletics in general. Men's athletics generally draws more. Yes, there are a few exceptions. But again, uh, I'm speaking in, in very general terms here. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this offends uh, some of the female audience, but... I'm just I'm giving you the facts and the facts are look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Look at the, the look at the TV ratings. Look at the amount of revenue generated. The the University of Connecticut men's program. The University of Connecticut men's program generates tens of millions of dollars. Well, at least I had the number right here, like 12 or 15 million dollars. The women's I I I and that's the popular program, probably about a million bucks, two million maybe. And they have a TV deal and, you know, the NCAA women's, they don't have the same TV deal. They just don't have the same, the same compensation. I'm sorry. It's just the way it goes. So I guess go ahead. I'm a, I'm a sexist. 
But uh, I had to bring some facts into this because I just couldn't let this go without uh, introducing uh, some facts into the into the otherwise uh, normal sane talking points that we had going on here. I suppose we'll take a break. <laughs> on that note, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for this program. AOL Instant Messenger, you know, the screen name, Michael Groff Show, available to you 24 hours a day, 365. Um, chat channel EF, Net IRC, Net Radio is the place to go for that, and so much more. We'll take a break, be back. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Oh, no, you didn't. Bring it on, sucker fool. The Michael Groff Show. segment the zip code famous michael grob show for a monday the 27th of december 2010 mike at kmgx.com that is our email address mike at kmgx.com also our paypal address donate bitches get to here and uh, want to do this here relatively quickly. I should probably get to some um, listener email. What do you think? We have some uh, We have some stuff here, so I, I figure... I figure if you're going to send it in, might as well uh, get to that. Let me see if I can actually pull this up here. This seems to be... Uh, Seems to be an issue, but uh, I'll try and I'll try and get to it. Let's see here. All right. Um, you uh, you uh, you send in your feedback, and regardless of whether or not it's it's good, bad, or indifferent, we do try our best to respond to everything, including the death threats. Mike at KMGX.com, also the Facebook page, which I really hardly ever go on Facebook, but you know. All the uh, fan mail and uh, whatnot, even some of the hate mail. It's always it's always good stuff. Uh, speaking of that, uh, a couple of people responded regarding the 
a piece of hate mail that we read on the last podcast. Um, somebody says, Mike, I can't believe someone would write such awful mean things about you. And I think you're a great host, a dynamic host, and you do a fine job with your show. And for anybody to say anything less than that is just bull S. It's just total crap. Keep doing what you're doing. And then um, uh, that's from Alan. And then um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, we have this. Mike, screw all the haters. Your show is the best. It's been the best, and it will continue to be the best. I wish you only the best of luck, and keep up the great work. And uh, no name on that. And finally, uh, here's one from Trisha, who writes... Mike, this guy has the audacity to make fun of the way you look and sound. Is he kidding? You're hot, your show's hot, and you're great. And any woman would be lucky to have you. <laughs> in case you missed it on the previous podcast, before I continue with this, uh, in case you missed it on the previous podcast, we read quite a piece of uh, f- rather vigorous hate mail uh, directed at me. Some guy wrote an entire novel or some woman, I don't know who it was, Wrote an entire novel about how I suck. Anyway, it sounds like Chris with a K is quite envious or perhaps someone who is has been scorned by you, maybe? Tell them to go screw themselves and die in a fire. You effing rock. All right, so that's from uh, Trisha. And I just want to, again, and of course, uh, there are plenty of birthday and Christmas shouts that everybody threw my way, so I do appreciate that. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, all of your email, all of your comments, we always read them, again, uh, including the death threats, anything. Lovers, haters, anybody in between, you have uh, something to contribute to the program. Any comments that you have, we'll, uh, we always uh, air those right here on the program. So uh, I always uh, do accept those. Oh, one other person says, Mike, we need more podcasts. For the love of God, where are the podcasts? Please, please do more. Somebody wrote that to me on my... Uh, my messenger here uh, a couple of days ago so I, and I did say I would give them their shout out on the air alright so that's that that's the uh, listener feedback portion of the program alright from the Michael Groff show stupid news file we have this this is uh, this is pretty crazy I'm always afraid of this I know this is probably going to happen to me so in the next few years when I die of a heart attack because I love Chicago hamburger too much or I get hit by a car while trying to cross the street and there's so many people that run red lights or whatever, in the inevitable uh, future when I do, uh, when I do uh, kick the oxygen habit on planet Earth, 
I know this is probably going to happen to me with my luck. Uh, Maria Das Dores. Uh, she was a few hours from being buried when an official noticed something uh, kind of strange. She wasn't dead. The 88-year-old was rushed back to the same hospital who earlier pronounced her dead. Officials in Brazil have now launched an investigation into how medical chiefs failed to realize that the woman was alive and not dead when they sent her body for burial. She had been brought to the hospital in the town of Apatinka, uh, suffering from blocked arteries. She was also suffering from Alzheimer's and was bedridden. Doctors declared her dead on December 22nd after noticing that she had no vital signs. Her body was transferred to a local uh, undertaker uh, to prepare her for burial. An official looking into her coffin noticed that she was still breathing and that she had not uh, that she was moving. That's usually a sign that somebody is still alive. Custodia Amancio, who's the daughter of the uh, of the resuscitated Brazilian woman, said, quote, we are happy to know my mother is alive and unhappy with the lack of respect due her. We are still not sure if we will sue the uh, municipality of the hospital. You're not sure. Let me give you if there's ever a reason for a lawsuit. I think it's this. A hospital declares you dead and you're not actually dead. And they almost buried this woman alive. Of course, you know, obviously the the sad twist to this story is I bet in about three days there's going to be a story about, remember that woman that they thought was dead, but she was really alive? Well, she's actually dead now, and it's been confirmed. She really is dead. But you know this is going to happen to me. Every once in a while we do these kind of stories on the air, and I always think that this is going to be my fate. I'm going to wind up dying not really dead, but they're going to pronounce me dead and they're going to throw me into a coffin and then they're going to bury me. And I wake up and, and now I'm buried underground. That's why I'm not going to be buried. I'm going to be burned. I'm going to be cremated. <laughs> I'll show them. Maybe I should be buried and I'll just have a cell phone in there or I have one of those like life alert things in my, uh, in my coffin. So I can just press the button. Hey guys, I'm still alive. Just say so you now. Yeah, it's, it kind of sucks in here. I got to tell you, it's a little hard to breathe. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have them keep me above ground for a couple of weeks just to make sure I'm actually dead. Quote, she continues in the intensive ward treatment and we are praying that she will improve quickly. All right. Well, that's that's an interesting story. But here's something. This is great. Now, I've uh, often pontificated about what else I might do instead of radio because, you know, the radio biz has been just a little bit, uh, well, the radio biz has been a little bit uh, tough on me the last few years. And I've thought about it and I've, I've certainly received my share of advice and a couple of people in my life have directed me toward, Mike, why don't you just go to law school? Come on, just do it already. Go to law school. And I've always said, gee, I don't know. I mean, I do kind of like, law and I do especially constitutional law and I, I think it'd be great well I, maybe I should so that I can do what this guy did uh, this is a guy that was sort of in my situation about nine years ago and he decided that he had had enough and he went to law school but he had a cause 
His name is Daniel Balsam. He he was one of these guys just like me who does a lot of his work online and he hates spam. If he saw my uh if he saw my uh Microsoft Outlook how much spam I get, he'd probably hate spam even more. I'm sure I get more than this guy. Anyway, Daniel Balsam, he hated spam. Of course most everybody does, but he took it to the next level. Not only does he hate spam, he uh, he went well beyond, above and beyond the call of duty. And now he doesn't just hit the delete button. He sues people that spam him. He got so pissed off about spam that eight years ago, he was working as a marketer when he received one too many spams. He decided, all right, that's it. He went to law school. He started a website called DanHateSpam.com. He quit his career and uh, he got a law degree and now he goes around the state of California suing various companies that send out spams, including drug and pharmaceutical companies, adult websites, etc. Quote, I feel like I'm doing a little bit of good by cleaning up the internet, Balsam said. Uh, from San Francisco Superior Court, Small Claims Court, to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, Balsam, based in San Francisco, has filed many lawsuits, including dozens bef uh, before the time that he graduated from law school in 2008 against email marketers, he says, violate anti-spamming laws. His many victories are mere raindrops in the ocean, considering that Cisco Systems estimates that nearly 200 billion spam messages are circulated every day. Think about that. 200 billion spam emails are sent out every day, which accounts for about 90% of all email traffic online. Still, Balsam settles enough lawsuits and collects enough from judgments to make a living. He's racked up well in excess of $1 million in court judgments and lawsuit settlements with companies accused of sending illegal spam. His courtroom foes contend that Balsam is one of many a, uh, uh, sole practitioners unfairly exploiting anti-spam settlements and laws. Uh, they claim, and they're accusing him of filing lawsuits against out-of-state companies that would rather uh, have a small settlement than uh, spend any resources to fight legal claims. Quote, he really seems to be trying to twist things for a buck, said ben, uh, Bennett Kelly, who is a defense lawyer who has become Balsam's arch nemesis over the years in the rough and tumble litigation niche uh, that's been uh, sprung up from this uh, all centered around the spam situation. So this defense lawyer says, oh, he's just abusing the anti-spam laws and it's ridiculous. I got to tell you something. I think this is great. Maybe I should do this too. Certainly enough companies all across the country where I could get in on this action. The guy has racked up over a million bucks in judgments and settlements. Meanwhile, of course, it hasn't stopped the spam I've been getting. But look, I can look right now at my, at my email box and I can tell you this right now. I've got spam from um, adult websites. I've got spam from mortgage companies. I got spam from people in Nigeria. I've got spam from... What looks like Bed Bath and Beyond, I think. I mean, that's actually a real legit. Con I mean, I could go after them immediately. Balsam started small in 2002 in small claims court, but by 2008, some of his cases were appearing before the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals 
And he was graduating from the University of California Hastings College of Law. Quote, what started just uh, for kicks turned into a hobby, which turned into a career, Balsam said. Quote, it's what triggered me to go to law school. Balsam mostly sues companies he accuses of violating California's anti-spam law. Well, I mean, if people are violating the law, certainly you can sue them civilly, can't you? I mean, I don't see why this would be bad. I mean, I understand it's spam email and there's certainly more important things for our court systems to be haggling out than this kind of thing. But I mean, again, it is a legit law. It's one that inconveniences people. Among other restrictions, the law prohibits companies from sending spam with headers that mislead the recipient into believing that the email is non-commercial or comes with offers of free products that aren't true. The law also requires a way for internet consumers to opt out of receiving any more spam from a sender. Meanwhile, of course, you can never opt out. If you try to opt out, they'll just send you twice as much because then they'll know that your email is legitimate, your email address. Balsam says he has more than 40 small claims victories and several more in higher courts, mostly alleging the receipt of misleading advertising. In November, he won a $4,000 judgment against various incorporated an adult-oriented social media company that controls adultfriendfinder.com. A judge sided with Balsam, who sued after he received four identical emails sent to four different accounts, all with the identical subject line. Hello, my name is Rebecca. I love you. You know, I've gotten that, that spam before. In fact, I know I have that in my deleted items folder. It's the fourth time that he's beat various incorporated in court. Wow. The company is appealing the latest ruling and a hearing is scheduled for January 5th in San Francisco Superior Court. The reason that they're uh, they're uh, appealing is because supposedly this guy, uh, uh, Balsam, disclosed uh, some of the terms of the settlement. He, he He's also sued. He sued the Stockton Asparagus Festival and embroiled himself in con in very contentious litigation with Tagged.com, which is the country's third largest social networking site. I've never even heard of Tagged.com. Balsam noted in his lawsuit that Time Magazine uh, dubbed it, quote, the world's most annoying website. Tagged.com shot back with a lawsuit of its own, accusing Balsam of threatening to violate terms of an earlier settlement by telling the company he was planning to disclose the terms of the agreement. For the website, Balsam is fighting the lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. A lawyer for tag.com could not be reached for lawsuit, but for a comment. This is this guy, though, to me, and I understand that, you know, I, I'm I'm one of the crusaders against frivolous lawsuits, but I don't see this as a frivolous lawsuit. This is a legitimate problem. Internet spam. I know you're never going to stop it. We're talking about 200 billion spam messages a day. But really, if you go after these companies and you hit them in the pocketbook, you hit them hard in the pocketbook. Maybe it will slow down the spam a little bit. Maybe we could cut it down to, I don't know, 199 billion spams a day. <laughs> 200 billion spam messages a day. There's a trivia question. That guy is awesome, though. All right, but uh, I have to tell you, none of that compares to this story. Now, I, I must, I have to plug this before we go any further. Uh, so I do want to go through the Michael Groff show year in review. Some of the 
dumbest of the dumb stories that we've done this year. Some of the best of the best, if you will. Some of the craziest of the crazy. It's been a crazy year for everybody. It's been a weird year. And nothing further uh, is evidence of that than some of the stories that we've done on this show throughout the year. We'll even give you our Parent of the Year Award. We'll give you, we're going to give you the, the best of the best. So we're going to be doing that. However, this story right here probably ranks right at the top of the list. This is a woman that has mastered the trifecta of stupidity. It's very rare that you find someone that's this insane. But here it is. A New Jersey woman hopes to become... I can't even believe this. Most people have goals and aspirations in life. Some people want to be some people want to be lawyers. Some people want to be doctors. Some people want to be police officers. Some people want to change the world in some way. Some people want to be in radio. Some people want to be photographers. Everybody has a goal or an aspiration. This woman wants to be the fattest woman in the world. It's a woman from New Jersey. Well, she got 30,000 calories closer to her goal, her goal of achieving the 1,000-pound mark. She had a festive feast that could have fed dozens of people for the holidays. Yes, the woman who weighs 644 pounds, her name is Donna Simpson. She sits in a reinforced metal chair. She chowed down on the world's biggest Christmas dinner as she ate for two straight hours on Saturday. Here you go. The single mother of two tucked into two 25-pound turkeys, two maple-glazed hams, 15 pounds of potatoes, 10 of which were roast potatoes, five pounds of mashed potatoes, five loaves of bread, five pounds of herb stuffing, four pints of gravy, four pints of cranberry dressing, and an astonishing 20 pounds of vegetables. Well, at least she ate vegetables. Well, that's eating healthy. Again, this is one woman that ate all that. Let me just, let me just read the grocery list once again. The, the, she ate all of this in one sitting. Two 25-pound turkeys, two maple-glazed hams, 15 pounds of potatoes, five loaves of bread, five pounds of herb stuffing, four pints of gravy, four pints of cranberry dressing, and, an, and 20 pounds of vegetables. 30,000 calories. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I am horrified. That is, that is awful. I am horrified. I, wow. After polishing off her enormous main course, she then had room for dessert and ate a salad made of, and, and I use the word salad loosely, made of marshmallow, cream cheese, whipped cream, and cookies. I really don't like marshmallows. Donna's two children, Devin, who's 14, and Jacqueline, who's three, enjoyed a more modest feast. Well, yeah, because mom ate all of the food. The five foot two Donna defended her $280 meal, saying, quote, I eat as much as I want whenever I want, but at this time of year, I really go all out. 
Uh, she goes on to say as she shoves, shoves a section of fat aside so she can get the words out, quote, Christmas should give you carte blanche to do whatever you want. Donna, who insists she's healthy, told the, uh, the Sunday Mirror in London that, quote, people who feel guilty about eating are hilarious. She makes a living from being fat, by the way. This woman gets paid to make public appearances and she has a website where people can pay money to watch her eat. I have to admit, I would, I, I would pay money to watch a woman eat two 25-pound turkeys, a glazed ham, 15 pounds of potatoes, cranberries, and dessert, of course, and, and all the other food, 20 pounds of vegetables. She ate all of that. <laughs> There's a picture. There are pictures of this woman. She is enormous. She looks like a planetoid. Already a Guinness record holder for being the largest woman to ever give birth, Donna hopes to gain, get this, Donna hopes to gain an additional 350 pounds so that she can achieve her 1,000-pound goal. She got the Guinness World Record as the world's fattest mother when she gave birth in 2007. Uh, at the time, of course, she weighed only... She only... She only weighed 532 pounds. She needed a team of 30 medics to deliver her daughter Jacqueline during a high-risk cesarean birth. These are the type of people having children now. As if I wasn't already annoyed enough at life. <laughs> this just makes me... This woman, again, it's the trifecta of stupidity, but wait, there's more. Donna met Jacqueline's father, Felipe, on a dating site for plus-size people, even though the guy, the father, uh, Mr. Mr. Wonderful, only weighed 140 pounds. He supported her 12,000-calorie-a-day diet and was a belly man who loved her enormous shape. Well, then why isn't he with her now? Again, fellas, she's single. Donna has always been plus size. Uh, she was, uh, when she was 19, she met her first husband who worked at a chef at a steak restaurant. Uh, he worked night shifts and would come home at 2 or 3 a.m. and bring her leftovers. Well, that's nice. What a heartwarming story for the holidays. <laughs> so Donna Simpson, she is looking to become uh, the fattest woman in the world. Well, it's good to have goals. And to do so, she mowed down on over 30,000 calories. Yes, 30,000 calories. And she, well, probably even more than that. She... <laughs> She ate two 25-pound turkeys just by itself. I mean, that's just insane. It doesn't say if she ate all of it in one sitting, but it does say that she ate for over two hours and she ate over 30,000 calories worth of food. So to recap, you have a woman who has two children from two different fathers who is clearly irresponsible and is and is is deliberately gaining weight to achieve a record uh, of a thousand pounds, and the state has yet to take away her children. By the way, 
Apparently, they feel that she is a fit mother. She's doing just a she's doing a fine job raising her kids. These are the people that are having children nowadays. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go into further commentary. <laughs> the trifecta of stupidity. Fat, irresponsible, and stupid. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, not only is that your mother of the year, uh, but that's also the one of the most disgusting stories I've ever heard. So you can check this woman out. The the pictures of her, I'm just looking at the the pictures of her are are listen, I'm not trying to be shallow here. I don't want to sound like I'm being insensitive and shallow. I, I don't like uh, I mean a woman with a little meat on her bones is fine. You know, that's great. I mean, a woman that when you can, you know, when they look like an Ethiopian, I mean, that's that's disgusting. I mean, a woman that just uh, that is so skinny that light passes through her is not good. But I mean, this is this is insane. OK, this woman actually has her own gravity. That's all there is to it. Wow. All right. Well, um, <laughs> that's. That is that is the craziest story uh, of the year so far. So that'll probably make it into our uh, rotation. Again, if you if you missed it, we're we're going to uh, coming up on the uh, podcast. Just a little preview. Uh, some of the dumbest of the dumb for the year 2010. We'll be going through that. But that right there, probably probably close to the top of the list. All right, uh, Mike at kmgx.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at kmgx.com. 225-pound turkeys, 15 pounds of potatoes. I've, I've thrown down some serious food before in my life, okay? I have really put down the chow. But I have to tell you, I have never in my life have I ever been able to accomplish such a feat as this woman, I did have 12 plates of shrimp once at a Sizzler when I was 18 years old. My friend and I each had 12 plates of shrimp. And we were still hungry. My mom made us leave because she was embarrassed. All right, anyway, Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your monetary uh, contributions to this program. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name, Michael Graff Show, available 24-7, 365 for you. Of course, all of our other information and whatnot, our chat channel available at the one, the only, MichaelGraff.com. Although I understand our chat channel is not working at this juncture, but uh, one of these days, the uh, MichaelGraff.com will be a real website. I... I, I beg, I plead to the goddess of websites that we have one eventually. I'm please Jeebus and goddess of websites and my goddess. <laughs> Whatever. We're back, uh, hopefully tomorrow, with another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. I say hopefully. I put it in quotes, underlined and italicized. You know how we do. Oh, you know, I just see this. 
So speaking of global warming, in the forecast for Phoenix later this week, I'm just going to read it for you verbatim. Uh, Thursday, partly cloudy with a chance of rain and snow showers. Yeah, that's global warming. That's Phoenix. Later this week, a chance of snow. I'm excited. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. See you next time for another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grab Show. Good night, everybody. Everybody.